Good morning and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show. Today I'm going to bring you episode 199 of... Wait, no, this is the Weldon Green Podcast. Good morning and welcome to the Weldon Green Podcast. Today I'm going to bring you episode 199 of the Ask Weldon Show. Meditation, role swapping, and gaming houses. Tomorrow's episode 200, I'm so excited. Um, Here's the show. Good morning and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 199. We are almost here. Tomorrow is episode 200 and I have nothing planned. I'm I'm such a loser in terms of big, big um, episodes like this. For episode 100, I don't think I did anything special either. Maybe I can get a gift card to give away or something. I don't know. Anyway, today, we're not there yet. Episode 199, I still have time. I still have 24 hours until the main event. And um, the questions today we have related to meditation, role swapping, and gaming houses. No big announcements. I don't have any other collaborations coming up this week that I know of. Maybe I can ring something together for episode 200 tomorrow. We'll see. But the thing I do need is uh, more audio questions. Again, today we have three Twitter questions. So please call into the Anchor station, anchor.fm slash Green. Send in your audio questions for this show. They are the lifeblood, oxygen, fuel of what is essentially a Q&A show. And so if you were ever curious about anything, now is the time to commit to that question. Let's jump into the show. All right, the first question today is from Deactivated691 on Twitter. And here is his question Does it matter how long you take to meditate in any one single session? Okay, so to put this in context, one of the one of the most important things about meditation is the impact that it has on your brain. And I don't mean the 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 mystical impact. I mean the physical impact that can be measured. So what we see after a certain amount of meditation is we see changes in the executive function and the and the cerebral cortex portion of the brain where you're in charge of things like discipline and decision-making and where you put your focus and, you know, your logic, essentially. And this part of the brain increases the, the gray matter, the white matter, I guess, that you see on the, on the fMRI scans, increases in density around the edges of the folds. And this happens with a certain amount of meditation. And the dosage, I believe, for that is like eight cumulative hours over the course of three months with a dosage of more than five minutes a session. Um, I could be wrong on the dosage point of five minutes a session, but I think that the study that I was reading that that was... Like, we don't, we don't actually know how low you can go and still get the dosage response, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I think that there was a lower limiter. I want to say that there are a lot of people online that will tell you there's no such thing as too short a meditation session. Don't worry, just do it. Any amount of meditation is great, and all of these are all of these things and statements are true for well-being. Any amount of meditation is great. Any amount of meditation will give you improved well-being and perception of, you know, health and uh, happiness and maybe improve a little bit of improved focus. I don't know, but. I think that if we're talking about functional changes in the brain, if we want to say that we want to change the physical structure of how our neurons are wired together and the actual capabilities that we have for focus and to be able to handle attentional control, 
then we there is a dosage response. There is a, a certain amount of meditation that is needed to actually make that happen. And I would not bet on much less than five minutes because I think it would take so long to get the cumulative hours that you need for that that um, it'd, be, it'd be crazy. So the answer is do a five-minute meditation. And uh, if you can't do if you can't do more, if you can't do a five-minute meditation, then you're, I think, banking a lot more on well-being than you are on structural changes. Part of the reason that I have my athletes meditate is for the actual impact that it has on their real brain, not for the well-being aspect. I want, I want their performance to increase. I don't just want their perception of their life levels of happiness in their life to improve, right? So I care about the functional changes in the brain, which is why we do 15-minute meditations, in, in all of my teams. But it doesn't need to be that long. You can do it in five minutes. Okay, thanks for the question. Question number two from Chad Markle. And this one is about role swapping. Now, this gentleman tried out for a team in a role swap position and was asked to come onto that team in his role swap position because they were so impressed with this play. And so, what are the pros and cons? What advice would you give someone who is role swapping to get on a good team? Is it worth role swapping after years of experience in a specific role? Okay. I had this conversation with Doublelift actually when the meta was changing to have 80 carries go mid and he was very frustrated because he had a lot of side lane instincts that he that he had optimized throughout the years of playing side lane over and over and over and over and over again, and they were lost on him mid. You know, he didn't get to execute on these skills, and it was really frustrating because he had to learn a new set of skills to play mid lane, um, and a new I would say a new set of instincts. Right, you have to have this instinct of like where the danger is coming from and when and why and how, and you have to have that for side lane. You know, okay, your spidey senses tingle because somebody's been missing for a certain amount of time. And you know where they could possibly be coming at in terms of the angles. Uh, for mid lane, you have to develop that same sense, um, but it's different. And so you got to play a ton of mid lane to pull that off. And I don't mean you have to play mid lane. I mean you have to be in the mid lane, of course. And not only that, you have to be in the mid lane with your AD carry. You can't just like play a mid. I mean, I guess you can play a mid lane champ and do that, but it's it's more effective if you're playing somebody like the champion that you actually have to survive with. And likewise, Bjerg had to pick up side lane stuff, but he didn't complain about it as much. <laughs> I think it's a welcome change for a mid laner to be able to actually side lane a bunch. Uh, so I don't think he minded so much. I think he was like, freedom, free at last. I get to make an impact on the game with side lane pressure. Woohoo! You know, so I think that uh, maybe, maybe that's not such a big deal going in that direction. But anyway, role swapping. If you, if you get to accomplish your dreams... This is, this is all based on what it is that you want. If you get to accomplish something that you dreamed of by role swapping, 100% it's worth it. It, it. Like the things that you learn in your previous position, so you'll learn champion interactions, uh, you'll learn positional interactions in terms of the laning phase of that of that uh, part of the map. So, you know, what the jungle paths are, the timing on the ganks, the direction of the ganks, the possibilities of how all these champions could come on you. And then you'll learn... Um, and then you'll learn how that role plays out in the mid and late game. So you're going to be picking up these things anew. You need you need tons of champion interaction uh, trainings in your mind again. You have to figure out how it is that all of this stuff works in terms of the, the jungler pathing into you and the, the, the ganking with your team as well. And then 
you got to figure out how to play these champions in in mid and late game. The big, big advantage you have is if you're already good at some other role, you can learn all of this stuff from an analytical perspective. Instead of just throwing yourself at the wall and volume training it out, you can think about it. You can actually consider and theorize and theory craft this stuff as you're going along and hopscotch yourself, uh, kind of like a frog jump. What is the thing when you have somebody and he crouches down in front of you and you hop over them and you crouch down and they hop over you? You can you can skip training. You can skip forward in time. You can skip forward in skill level because you have this experience with another role and you know already what you need to learn and you're motivated to learn it. So you can study, you can plan, you can set goals, and you can you can jump far ahead of just picking stuff up naturally into planning the kind of skills that you want to have and acquiring them intentionally, which will go much faster. So my advice for someone who's role swapping is consider the the aspects of information that I just told you that you need to have and figure out the best resource for you to obtain high level strategy for or information for that those aspects of play, whether it's a pro stream or a high level stream or a mentor in the game who can tell you stuff. Um, that third one being the, the most useful. Get up, maybe get a high level coach, right? And then figure out how to intentionally train it in the games. Whether you need somebody in your team speak or in your comms, like reminding you stuff throughout the entire game, whether you're able to focus on one or two goals, and whether you're able to construct drills to help that stuff. Check out yesterday's episode, 198, playing down to your opponent's level for talk about how to construct fantastic drills that apply across the the whole scope of the game or a whole swath of skills I, w- I should say and then yeah and then escalate your play much faster than you were able to escalate it in the first place in the first role i think that my my brother applied this when he picked up a second instrument he picked up a first instrument and he learned how to learn an instrument and then when he switched and he picked up his second instrument he applied all of his skills of learning how to learn an instrument and he mastered it at a much higher level than his original and much quicker so you have learned how to learn a role, and now you have to apply all of those skills. Good luck. Okay, last question. Before we jump into the last question, I'm going to promote to you the MAC program. And the MAC program is an online video training program that I made to try to answer the question, how is it that I can train all the amateur players in the world who I don't have time to train individually one-on-one? And so I made these videos, 47 of them. It's a seven-week course, seven modules with seven sessions each, so seven weeks. You can do it in, in, le- in more time. Or even, no, you can't really do it in less time. One module a day, that's all you're allowed. Um, But you can do it in more time. You can stretch that out over three months, four months. It's fine. And essentially what each session is composed of is a video of uh, like a mini TED Talk, kind of a lecture from me. It's just me talking over slides, explaining the concepts for the day, and then a mindfulness training session. So seated meditation training session or centering. Sometimes there's a walking one too. There's one walking meditation which you get an mp3 for that you can download if you want to take it out on the go with your phone. Although I just realized nowadays with data, you probably have access to it wherever you are anyway. Regardless, it's $30 and you use the code AskWelded. Excuse me. The show was early today. Just really early in the morning. Use the code AskWelden to get a $5 discount so that I know that you come from YouTube. And... What is this program going to help you with? It's a performance-based program. I'm a performance psychology trainer, and this 
program is designed to improve performance across the board. So what are things that can be, that be, that can be considered performance? Well, obviously sport and esport. Right? We're talking about performance, mastery, pursuit of mastery, pursuit of competitive mastery or self-mastery. Either one is performance. But there's a swath of other things that we can include on the table when we're talking about performance. And those are things like studying, where you, ha- where you need to apply discipline and focus over time. It's not a zero-sum game like winning a match is. You know, everybody can win at studying, but it is an aspect of self-mastery that you can pursue with a performance mindset. Test taking for sure is a performance. And we know this not only from the results of psychological skills training applied to students, wherein there was objective increase in their capabilities, scores when they were taking tests, as well as subjective increases in their perception of their their ability to take tests. But we also know this from uh, an actual master's thesis that I was supervising, or not supervising, but monitoring and kind of working with here at the University of Vascula where they went into a into a teacher training school and were using it to improve students' um, both perception of tests, so their capabilities when they were taking them, lowering stress and increasing well-being, as well as objective scores. There were significant results in that study on some groups of students that improved their test scores more than the control. Okay, so what other things can be put on the table for performance? Um... Besides sport, esport, and school, I'm going to sneeze. Hang on. So it's a dusty house and it's early, so I'm yawning and sneezing. Sorry about this, everybody. I like to blame the fact that I had the flu last week, but the reality is I only slept six hours last night, so of course I'm going to be tired. Sex. Sex is also a performance. And we know this because uh, psychological skills training techniques have been used to help men with erectile dysfunction to perform better. So if you want to have better sex, buy my Mac program. All right, last question. What do you think about the usefulness of gaming houses for pro teams? Okay, I've talked about this in depth in a lot of videos, but the usefulness is quickly dying away because the main use of gaming houses was economic economic and performance-related purposes. So it's easier to get everybody to to control all the variables related to insane young uh, people who you're investing a lot of money in. So you're investing thousands of dollars a month in these young people with with not enough responsibility or sense of responsibility. And you, in order to protect your investment, you stick them all under one roof and you, and you control as many environmental variables about their training and about their life as you can so that you can get your investment back out of them. That's changing as, as eSport is becoming real enough that people need to have their own sense of responsibility and are capable of living on their own and still maintaining a high level of performance and training. And also the second added benefit was financial. That is changing in League of Legends where it's not really necessary to save money by having a gaming house anymore. Each player is making enough money to kind of support their own um, their own flat, although they won't want to. But teams are now making enough money to support things like bunks where you would have an apartment complex, let's say, with like a different room for each player. And these things are, um, or like a dormitory, right? Not like a kitchen, but like their own bathroom and stuff, maybe a kitchenette. But there should be a training facility for that. So I think that the usefulness of gaming houses for pro teams in other esports besides League of Legends is absolutely massive still. So if we're talking about Call of Duty, like despite the fact that Call of Duty is such an insanely huge esport, 
they have not attracted a lot of investor attention and therefore um, the activation of the numbers that they have is lagging behind uh, with the, I mean, it's very similar actually to the activation in League of Legends, right? They're pulling in the same amount of money, but that's not enough to justify huge expenses yet because they don't have investment income to go along with that. The people who are investing in League of Legends and Overwatch are, are inflating the salaries and the capabilities of the teams in the league vastly uh, on the on the basis of future payouts, on the basis of these views are worth way more money in the future and certainly in the present. But COD, these views are going to be worth, they're, they're going to be as big as Overwatch League and League of Legends in terms of monetization, across, at least across the Western broadcasts um, because their numbers are similar. But that activation is not there yet and they don't have investor capital to like boost it up in the meanwhile. So the usefulness of gaming houses in situations like that are still huge. Uh, because there's a, there's big cost saving and there's there's wild and crazy kids in Call of Duty that are, you know, wasting the investment of 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 the orgs that are paying them by, by making silly life decisions. And so orgs are protecting their investment or want to protect their investment by helping kids invest in their life and take responsibility and, and putting them in gaming houses mostly so they can control them. So I think the usefulness of gaming houses and pro teams depends completely on the maturity of the esport and the maturity of the players involved. And that was my answer before and that was my answer now. And that is the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to check out the Mac program. Use the code AskWeldon to get that discount. Call in your questions to the show, anchor.fm slash Weldon Green, and check, out, out, check us out live on Twitch, where I'm going right now. I'm going right now back to Twitch, twitch.tv slash MyGamesWeldon, where I'm going to finish the post-show show with Twitch chat, and we're going to dig into a bunch of interesting questions that they have. Um, and, and it's a, a much better place to kind of like get advice because you can do call and response, right? You can ask something, I can respond, you can inquire a second layer or uh you know, ask like, okay, well, what about this? Or what about this? Or you said this, so what does this mean? And you can you can interact, right, live. And so you're able to get deeper into the issues that you might be facing. So make sure that you give that a follow and check us out when we go live every single day at 6.30 p.m. Los Angeles time. See you then. All right, that's the show for you today. And remember that if you check out the Mac program at mindgames.gg slash MAC, the Mindfulness Acceptance Commitment Training Program, that you should use the code podcast for being a podcast listener. Get your extra dollar discount. And thank you very much for your attention. I will see you guys tomorrow for episode 200.